I'm doing better this service, the last service. He said, you may be seated, not sit down. <laughs> uh, that's good. We serve a mighty God. Are you excited about being in his house this morning? Amen. Think about all those folks who aren't. They're missing out. This is the place where God is for us today. In our bulletin, Pastor David had prepared a sermon for this morning. Obviously, he's not here. He has issues with speaking, but he didn't let that keep him down. He sent Stasha a text from a neighbor from another room to tell her to call me <laughs> to prepare to uh, share this morning. But it's exciting. One of my passions is to be ready to respond to the needs of a pastor. This is Pastor Appreciation Month. Did you realize that? For a whole month, it's not enough time. But I want to encourage you to take that card and uh, give your pastors pastors a note. Uh, if you want to, a monetary gift, uh, just to encourage them. But in David's little thing he puts at the top of the bulletin, it's talking about discovering the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, this year we're focusing, our focus is transformed by Jesus. We are not going to be transformed by Jesus if we're not intentional about it. And uh, I'm going to talk to you this morning about where we are in our Bible reading uh, that we, the church, are following. You may not be doing the exact same one. But in the Bible reading, the church has got, we've been reading in Nehemiah, and now we've come to Job. And I want to share with you a little bit about what God's been speaking to me out of that. But I want to share with you, first of all, these two guys were intentional, they were intense, and they were committed. Uh, I said, Tommy Bowles back there, he calls himself an idea guy. He's got more ideas, but he wants you to carry them through. <laughs> what good is an idea guy that can't lead us? We need to be, as God gives us ideas, we need to be the follow-through type guy. So don't paint. No, I, don't, I ain't going to say that. <laughs> but David put in there that uh, transformed by Jesus and also to be equipped and empowered. And he wrote in here, and I underlined it, are we truly desperate for his spirit? You and I can go nowhere and do anything for the Lord without his spirit. Just as the church cannot neglect this, we as individuals cannot neglect his presence in our lives. So as we have been looking in the last couple of weeks in these two scriptures, I want to bring you just a little bit about what God has been sharing in my heart but just a side note now David talks about going down rabbit trails that's where I live is in a rabbit trail sometimes they cross each other sometimes they get in a straight line you just never know but a couple of Tuesday mornings ago at the men's fellowship and breakfast Mo came and he shared something with me I had never heard and it's been playing in my mind how does this apply and it applies in hundreds of ways but his statement was that he had felt this himself. He said, am I, 
and in parentheses, as a bird, trusting in the limb I chose to land on or the wings God gave me. So God's given us his Holy Spirit. Am I trusting in Wayne? <laughs> We're in trouble. Or am I trusting in the Holy Spirit? Just another little one-liner. We cannot have the promised results without responsible commitment. Guys, we can't float through Christianity. We don't just kind of float around it jumps on us. We have to be intentional and intense and committed. Who was Nehemiah? One of those guys in the Old Testament. God's story. He crossed across this man, Nehemiah. But Nehemiah had a life of luxury. He was a cupbearer to the king of Persia. Why would you want to do anything else? I mean, he's a slave. He's a, and he's become the cupbearer to the king of Persia. Him and the king are just like this every day, every meal, all day, every day. But he had heard the stories of Jerusalem how great it was and how beautiful it was and how strong the Jews were in their day and all that kind of stuff. And it started playing on his heart. And after a few months, he went to the king and he told the king, this is what I feel. Now, God had already prepared all this. He knew Nehemiah was the man. Now, why was Nehemiah the man instead of somebody else because he had that spirit that said I will yeah I'll get involved I'll be passionate about this I'll carry on you see me Nehemiah was a model of a committed God honoring leader I'd like to submit to you we have such a leader in our pastor Nastasia we need to honor them now, Nehemiah was called to the physical needs. What was his calling? You go over there and rebuild the wall. That's what Nehemiah thought he was going to do. In reality, Nehemiah went to meet the spiritual needs of the people of Jerusalem. The rebuilding the wall, that's a big deal. Jerusalem's a big place. How many days did it take to rebuild the wall? 52 days. So he went to build the wall and he went intentionally and he went with intensity and he went committed. Now when he told the king, that's what I want to do, the king says, yes, you can do, you can go. But the king says, well, I'll take you a few soldiers to guard several hundred I'll fill you up some wagons full of stuff and carts. Take everything you need for this thousand-mile journey to rebuild your city, the one you have a love for. So Nehemiah lights out. And when he gets there, what he finds is a city in ruins. He had no idea. Now, you see, Nehemiah wasn't the first to arrive, though. Some 90 years earlier... And this is going to be cute. Say it, honey. 
Zerubbabel took the first wave of Jews back to Jerusalem and they settled in the ruins. They had no direction, they had no leader, they had no commitment, they were not intense, they were not intentional, and they sat there. So some 70 years later, Ezra was called to go back and rebuild the temple. So now we have a temple rebuilt in the middle of all this ruin, but there's nothing happening. So when Nehemiah gets there, some 90 years after the first group of Jews returned to Jerusalem to rebuild a charred and a city of ruin, and he realized, it's not what I'm here for. These people are disheartened and faithless. These refugees that have come are just living here in what they found. And as far from God as a group of people can be. You ever felt like, that's me. I'm in ruins. I'm as far away from God as I I can't get any farther away. What's going on with me? But can I tell you something? God still desired to be their God. I don't care how far you've been. I don't care where you've come from. We don't really care about your past. It's that day when you said to the Lord, I will commit myself. And then you started that rebuilding in yourself. Nehemiah found what it was unexpected. Most of the things in our lives are unexpected. The day you receive Christ as your personal Savior, you can look back on it. Did you get up that morning and say, today's my day? Nah. Maybe, maybe somebody has in the past. But probably it come on you surprise. Well, at the end of the day, you said, I received Christ today. Maybe there are all kinds of instances in our lives. So we, like Nehemiah, go through life. How many of you got up today realizing that there may be challenges today that you didn't really think about? My brother Dean here, I see him every Sunday, and I say, Dean, how was last week? He'll say, challenging. (laughs) Hey, if I had that little girl in my house and this young man, I would be challenged also. But that's life. I'd be inconvenienced. How many of you just hate to be inconvenienced? Let me give you a little hint. In that inconvenience, that's when you're going to minister the most. It might be inconvenient to you, but it might be life-changing to that other person. See, when Nehemiah arrived, he was a man who had, in the past, he had decided... I'm going to follow the Lord. And he had had that opportunity, and he had proven himself before the Lord. Now when he arrived in uh, Jerusalem, he was a real source of comfort and encouragement. And besides that, he brought all this help. He brought all these supplies. He brought everything that was needed 
to restore the walls and rebuild Jerusalem. You see, Nehemiah as a man was committed to prayer. You read in Nehemiah, uh, this is the neatest scripture in Nehemiah. He got in a situation that just made him mad. <laughs> and he had the authority and he could have lashed out and he could have took care of it and he could have done a lot of things. But he stepped back and prayed. Got himself composed, got himself together, sought the Lord and went back and properly took care of the situation. So a man of prayer and a man of, of obedience. How many are you are proud in your rebellion? You know there are people that are very rebellious and very proud of it. And then he was a man of action. We don't need idea people. We need men and women of action. The first half of the book of Nehemiah is about rebuilding the wall and protecting the city. But then we come down to the real issue in Jerusalem. The people had no direction. They had no faith. They had, they had brought back with them from the countries they were imprisoned in and slave, or slaves in all the culture of those cities. They were intermarrying. They were trading, buying and selling on the Sabbath day. They weren't keeping it holy. All the things that, that God has set forth that they should not do, they were doing and the Sabbath was just another day. Serving the Lord, we may or may not just kind of coast through this thing. There was no commitment. There was no intensity. But, see, Nehemiah wasn't there alone. Ezra was already there. He'd been there about 20 years. Got the temple rebuilt. So you kind of see Nehemiah and Ezra kind of figuring, where we go from here? How are we going to address this people? What can this people become if willing to be protected by a new willingness to submit to God's covenant requirements? Who could you and I be if we submitted ourselves to the Lord to the point that we are, being, we are willing to be protected by his covenant with us? His word. I'm afraid that me as a Christian, I want to fall back on the ways of the world. I want to fall back on the law of the land to protect me, to redeem me, to advocate for me. What would it be if we could allow the word and the Lord? to be our redeemer, to be our protector, to be our wall. If we could live in what the word says. See, the wall was great. It established something in Jerusalem. It was a symbol. The rebuilding of the homes and the rebuilding of the temple, the bringing back together of the people. But there needed to be a renewing and a realization amongst people. The Jews, they didn't have a language that was common to them. They brought back all these foreign languages, all this uh, other stuff. But in chapters 8 through 13, 
Dr. Jeremiah in his study book gave a list of what we need to do, you and I, if we want to experience God's promises. You see, I'm also, in my mind, I'm playing with the concept of who we are now or who we have been and coming into holiness, wholeness, excuse me, not holiness, wholeness, wholeness in God. It's a process. And the closer we get to wholeness, the more able we are to minister, to spill out on other people, to live in the promises of God and allow him to be our wall, so to speak. But in Jeremiah 8 through 13, we find this. We need to go back to the book. If you aren't reading it, shame on you. You need to be reading God's Word. You'll say, well, there are four chapters today to read. I understand that. But if you're like me, I'm a one-liner. I might get stuck on the first sentence. Might get stuck on the last one. Or one in the middle. Read God's Word. And be committed to think about it. To ponder it. To study on it. All day. Tomorrow's another day. He'll give you another word. But we have to be intentional and we have to be intense. We can't just, we can't take our little posting note and write down what God said to us at 7.30 or 5.30 or 4.30, whatever time you're up, and just stick it in your billfold and not look at the rest of the day. If that's your word for today, but we need to get back to the book and see that builds. I think, I think Christianity builds from brokenness to wholeness. Just an example. I like details. But if you look at this wall, you like this wall back here? The person that envisioned that, I just think is amazing. And the guys that built it, even more amazing. But do you notice, you probably don't notice any of this kind of stuff, but that last little board up there, it's about two inches wide, right? That one over there is about two inches wide, right? Did that just happen? No, that happened 10 years ago when the guys that remodeled this room made this flat part here equal on both sides see the guys that put this wall up they just started stacking boards well that's not really true Mel had a committee that pondered and stressed over every one of the every I don't think they prayed over them but they argued about them and those but when we got there there was nothing to adjust 10 years ago that board was going to turn out like that because this was right. This platform was right. That's how our life is. Something that happened 10 years ago in your life may come today and look just right, may be perfect, and some stuff in between. That's just a side note. 
So back to the book. We need to be serious about obedience. I'm a rebel and I'm proud of it. I don't listen to nobody. Nobody tells me nothing. Shame on you again. The word says we need to obey the word. Serious about obedience. Concerned about our sins. Caught up in worship. We need to become accountable for our conduct. At the end of the day, have you ever had that sinking feeling right here? That I didn't do just right today. You ever had to go back to apologize? You had to ever had to go back to correct? If we make our decisions ahead of time and allow Lord to direct our lives and we're obedient, sometimes that doesn't happen quite as often. Plan to give sacrificially and do it. Plan for service. Plan to give thanks. Endeavor to live a life of no compromise. That's something you plan ahead of time. Dwayne, when you got married, you should have had a plan in your life that I will love this woman, Malou, and I will not cheat on her, and I will not a lot of other things. But you have to have to, to determine that. You have to be intentional about it, and then you have to live it. Sort of like driving a car with no reverse. How many of you have ever had one of those? Tommy has, several of them. <laughs> when you pull into the parking lot, what do you do? Calculate your way out, don't you? Guys and gals. Relationships are important to us, and sometimes we get to a point that the relationship's going not with our with someone else. It's going the wrong way. We need to have planned a way out because you don't have a reverse, you can't back up. We need to look ahead. We need to understand that today is going to be a challenging day. Satan is there to see that we mess up. No compromise. We're going to live by the word, and if the word says, this, this is how we're going to do it. And we need to confront sin in our lives. Get rid of it. We all have them. And we kind of keep it pushed over there or we hope nobody else sees it. That shouldn't be. So I'm going to leave Nehemiah behind and I'm going to jump over to the book of Job. How many of you find the book of Job depressing? Ah, uh, yeah. Lost everything. All his kids, all his animals, everything. All he had left was his wife, and she's telling him to curse God and die. But Job lived in the time of the patriarchs, a period before there were priests, before the law was given. God spoke to these individuals personally, these patriarchs, and they led their country, their city, whatever. But Job was a man of integrity. 
He was a righteous man. He was a man blessed by God. And no one could find a fault in Job. Wouldn't we like to be there? Even if you forgot everything, just today, wouldn't we like to be there today? But he lost it all. So a man perfect before God lost it all. What does that tell us? There's room for disappointment in our lives, tragedy, and so forth. Now, Job's accuser was Satan. You know who your accuser is? Satan. Now, Satan can't do a thing about God. Satan is under God's control. He draws a line. That's as far as Satan can go. With Job, the line was you can't take his life. Job took advantage of everything else. I want to tell you something about Job. Job, like Nehemiah, had decided ahead of time. And I'm going to tell you what he decided, three things. Now, back up just a little bit. This is important. Satan cannot harm God, but Satan can influence you and me. He can attempt to influence us on how we perceive God. We need to know our God. Now, Job knew three things. He knew a whole, whole lot more, but I'm going to share three things with you. He knew and stood by God's character. So all this stuff happened to him, and Job knew God was just and good. I don't understand it. Secondly, Job trusted God. He walked by faith and not by sight. If you can see it, it's hard to walk by faith. Our daughter, at the age of 16, was going to Johns Hopkins University for a bone marrow transplant. And they knew their stuff. What they told us was real. Right down the line. This, 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 this. And uh, we didn't doubt that. But we, Vicki and I, had found that there are truths in the Word of God that will trump and overshadow truth in the Word, in the world, excuse me. That's where Job was. Now, Job was talking about himself. Job said in 13, 15, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. We see that a good bit in the Bible, don't we? If the lion's going to eat me up, so be it. <laughs> he's still my God. If the fire's going to burn me up, so be it. But he's able to deliver me. Are you there yet? Are you there yet? Are we there yet? And Job knew God was sovereign. See, Job knew all this before this happened. Now, he argued with God, and he questioned God, and he grumbled and he complained, which I don't recommend any of that. 
But he did. God still loved him. God never told him why. He never told him the external circumstances. How many of you want to know the whole story? Want to know everything's going on? You want to know exactly how all this is put together? Why? You want to know every piece of detail? Well, Kevin told me something after the first service. He said, you know, when you're a hillbilly, that's because you just don't think deep. Hillbillies just don't think deep. They live in this holler, and this holler's all I need. I don't care what's on the other side of the mountain. Well, some of us are that way. We do not need all the details. Now, my wife, on the other hand, wants a few more details than I'm willing. She goes to the doctor with me for one reason. She don't want the Cliff Note version when I come home. She wants the whole thing. She wants all the little details. I know. That's good. My problem is I forget all those details before I get home. And this is what I think he said. So, guys, I'm going to close with this. And everything I've said is leading up to this statement about Job. And I think we need to be there. Job lived what was expected in the eyes of God. Did you get that? Job lived what was expected in the eyes of God. We find it right here. Not what was right in his own eyes. So am I living the Christian life the way Wayne Stowe thinks it ought to be lived? Or am I living it according to what the Word says it should be lived? If I live it by what I think, I'm going to have a life of trouble and trials and sadness and lack of joy. But if I live it according to this Word, I can be even where Job was, and I can have that peace that passeth all understanding in my heart. So I'm going to ask Dean and Rachel to come up. They're going to be over here. I'm going to ask Vicki to come up, and I'm going to go down with her. If there's too many folks over here, you can come over here. But I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. And I'm going to ask you along with me and these folks, to let the Spirit of God swell up within us and of faith and to believe that God will supply to us that which we ask. The last song we sang said what? You ask and I deliver. Paraphrased. If you have a physical need, if you have a spiritual need, if you're not to where you can submit to God completely and follow Him unconditionally. Come on, let's pray with you. If you have never received Him as your Savior, come up and let's pray with you. If you have a need in your life, come up and let us pray. Father God, this morning as we have heard your word, we have looked at your children. We have looked at the story you had written down in your word. We pray that you'd speak into our hearts and lives. We pray that we would surrender and be willing to follow your leading in our lives. Lord, we pray you'd go with us as we go out that we might share our faith this week.
In Jesus' name. 